Knowledge is the key. CannabisRadio.com is here to keep you in the know on Just Say No. Did you know there are over 100 medical conditions that can benefit from cannabis therapy? Just Say No talks to patients who have used cannabis to treat their medical symptoms and create a better quality of life. Each week, we will tackle a chronic condition by talking to patients, doctors, and researchers with the goal to helping you live, learn, and thrive. Just say yes to Just Say No. Now here is your host, Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com, and welcome to Just Say No. Each week here on Just Say No, we evaluate, investigate, and give a thorough look at all the various diseases we think cannabis therapy can help. Our guest today is Martha Montemayor. Martha is a certified nutritional consultant and founded Healthy Choices Unlimited in Colorado in 2012. Thank you so much for joining us, Martha. Thanks, Ryan. So you were with Crayon Research before you founded Healthy Choices Unlimited in Colorado, and that was a brain nutritional supplement company. In my desk, <laughs> I have like three different jars of nootropics. Some are supposed to help me think more, and some are health. You know, they're all kind of uppers, I guess. They're supposed to make me smarter. I guess, what are brain nutritional supplements? Well, nootropics is kind of a new word that's come out. Uh, Cran Research, uh, as a brain nutrition company, we didn't use that word. That's kind of post-Cran. Cran Research was founded by master nutritionist Robert Cran, and sadly, he passed away in 2009. But I did have the wonderful experience of working with him for three years. Now, nootropics, as they're called now, or any brain supplements, are supplements or drugs or, or nutraceutical foods that are designed to improve brain function. And in most cases, we're looking at memory, cognition, and focus at the things that we want to enhance. So what kind of nootropics are in your desk right now? Oh, I, <laughs> I'm on So they this. haven't improved your memory enough for you to remember <laughs> what's in the drawer. <laughs> that is a great, great point. Yeah, I stopped taking them. I th- Sometimes they seem to upset my stomach a little bit. I have some, mm-hmm. some issues with my stomach. So, And sometimes I feel like a cup of coffee works just as well. And I, you know, the problem with it is I never know if this is just snake oil or what I'm buying. I mean, when I look at the websites, it's got lists of all these PhDs who are contributing mm-hmm. to the development of all of these supplements. And um, I don't know if, is there any science behind some of these things? I'm sure there, there is. is. There is absolutely science behind a lot of them. So let's break down nootropics into a couple of different types. The first type of brain-enhancing nutrients are stimulants, and that includes caffeine, just like you said, uh, amphetamines like Ritalin, and it also includes nicotine, interestingly enough. The next sort is amino acids, and amino acids are precursors to the neurotransmitters in your brain. And all nootropics work by enhancing the neurotransmitters, which are the chemical signaling messengers in your brain. So the amino acids used are things like 5-hydrotryptophan, 5-HTP, which is made from the grafona plant, and that is the amino acid precursor to serotonin, one of the chemical signaling messengers that helps regulate mood. The next one is tyrosine, and tyrosine is an amino acid precursor to dopamine. Dopamine increases energy levels, it helps with pain response, it helps with memory, and when it goes too high, it can also make you manic. So Tyrosine is one of those things you have to be careful with, and it is also found in energy drinks quite a bit, and energy drinks, therefore, have been known to cause mania if they're used too much. 
Next, we've got theanine, which helps reduce cortisol levels, and that's made from green tea. And then we have pyrisotams. Now, these are a cyclic derivative of GABA, which is one of the neurotransmitters, and that's gamma aminobutyric acid. And GABA, you've probably heard of more on the uh, prescription medicine side as gabapentin, which is known to help with seizures and with um, neurological problems such as migraine headaches. Gotcha. So when we're using these supplements, are we, we're targeting one of those things, the dopamine or serotonin, and we're trying to increase that? Is that what we're trying that to do? That is absolutely correct. Okay. You are right on it. We are both adjusting the neurotransmitter levels in our brain, and we're stimulating energy production in the cells. And then we are working to, once again, um, make sometimes permanent positive structural changes in the brain. And those are usually done through the last group, which is phospholipids. Phospholipids are things like glycerophosphocholine, phosphatidylserine, and these are very basic lipids, which are fats that are part of every cell in our brain. Um, and because of that, they tend to be enhanced with things like fish oils, which is the EPA, DHA, omega-3, and omega-6, which happens to be the fatty acids also available in hemp oil, which is how we come back to cannabis. Hemp oil made from pressed hemp seeds has supposedly the perfect three-to-one ratio of three parts EPA to one part DHA. And that is why hemp oil is often used as a nutritional supplement for memory, cognition, and focus. Last but not least, we've got things that increase blood flow to the brain. And those are supplements that you've heard of before, like ginkgo biloba and feverfew, which is a natural form of niacin, which is vitamin B3. And then there's acetyl-L-carnitine, which increases blood flow to the brain and makes the heart work more robust. And then there's some Ayurvedic herbs, like the copa moneri, which I can't pronounce, otherwise known as water hyssop. <laughs> gotcha. The are these pretty specific to each? Do we each have different levels in our brains uh, that different, you know, would my stack of medication or supplements be different from somebody else's? Absolutely. Just like with cannabis, we all have a personal biochemistry that these different substances react with. And some people naturally have more dopamine. Some people naturally have more epinephrine and norepinephrine. And those are kind of like speed for the body and give you that get up and go. There's other people who naturally have both feet on the brakes at all times and are like very hesitant, cautious about doing things. So your own personal makeup and personality are to some extent determined by the neurotransmitter levels in your brain. So how did you move into cannabis? Um, well, that's, that's interesting. So first of all, you know, our founder, Robert Cran at the Brain Nutrition Company, uh, sadly passed away. And unfortunately, that meant the, the end of Cran research. But he had some fantastic formulas that we'd had really good results with treating things like stroke recovery, traumatic brain injury. Uh, we worked with a lot of Alzheimer's and dementia patients, needless to say. And I wanted to continue doing that. Um, but one of the reasons I'd gotten into brain nutrition in the first place is that my ex-husband was a severe epileptic. And he was one of those people on the Colorado Medical Marijuana Registry in 2001. A lot of people don't realize that voters approved cannabis for medical use in Colorado in the 2000 election, and the registry actually began in 2001. But for the first few years, you had to get your meds from your friendly neighborhood drug dealer, which meant that quality varied widely. Some things made them better, some things made them worse. And when patients 
petitioned the state for the dispensary system in 2008. And when that started, uh, that's when I jumped in with both feet. So do you see us being able to pull apart marijuana similar to the way we've pulled apart brain supplements where we can target certain areas of the brain and the cannabinoids with the terpene or the cannabinoid profile of the different strains? Well, yes and no. I mean, can we do it? Yes. Should we do it? I think the answer is a resounding no. Huh. Uh, I, I know you've heard of Raphael Meshulam um, out of Israel, who is the man who isolated uh, THC uh, and did the chemical structure of it, and then he did the chemical structure for us of CBD then in the 90s, and he's done some fantastic work. There's a wonderful video about him uh, made by a filmmaker called Zach Klein called The Scientist, a Documentary, and it's a fantastic look at the history of THC research. One of the things Meshulam has found, and this has been repeated over and over again in study after study, is that whole plant cannabis made from whole plants works best. There's something called the entourage effect. You can give someone THC by itself and you have okay results. You can give someone CBD alone, you'll have okay results. When you give them the combination of THC and CBD, they have fantastic out-of-this-world results. It takes both. And one of the reasons that it takes all of the cannabinoids is that the CB1 cannabinoid receptors in the brain and nervous system and the CB2 cannabinoid receptors in the gut and the immune system, neither one of those recognize CBD on its own. And there's also evidence of a third cannabinoid receptor. We just haven't identified it yet. At any rate, though, by having CBD not recognized by either of the receptors, it takes some THC to trigger those receptors and get it working into the body. It's more than the sum of its parts. Can we separate them? Yes. Should we? No. Not in my opinion. Interesting. So things like just pure CBD oil, do you think that that works? You know, are you for saying some... you said have mild results, but, but without that entourage effect, should we be expecting results? Well, let's look, let's look at, at a very studied uh, synthetic form of THC, which is Marinol. Hmm. Uh, Marinol and Sesamet, or the uh, Sesamet, however you pronounce it, are the two synthetic THC pharmaceuticals that have been on the market since the 70s. Both of them are just THC, and our patients hate them. They just, they just can't stand them. And the reason is, with just THC by itself, you get many of the side effects of THC without the balance that the CBD brings you. So they just don't work as well as the whole plant medicine. And we have some studies that have shown the same thing uh, with isolated CBD and THC. Some people have enough natural cannabinoids called endogenous cannabinoids that their bodies make that they do fine on CBD alone. Most people need a little of that THC, though. I'll tell you what, we need to take a break. But when we come back, we will talk more with our guests, Martha Montemayor. We will be right back once you get to know our sponsors. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Dr. Jack? 
Robber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. Just Say No, spelled K-N-O-W, is back with more conversation about curing and healing with cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Just Say No. I'm Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com. We've been discussing brain health with Martha Montemayor. Martha, you you are working with doctors to teach them about marijuana. And you've done a few things. You have the Cannabis Clinicians of Colorado, and you also have a conference, the Medical Cannabis Institute, right? The conference is actually called Marijuana for Medical Professionals, but video from the conference can be seen on the medicalcannabisinstitute.org. They're a different organization, but they're an excellent source of cannabis education. So yeah, I I really got obsessed with training doctors a couple years ago, and our first conference was last year, and we offered 14.4 hours of continuing medical education credits, specifically in cannabis medicine. We trained about uh, just under 400 uh, people, mostly physicians and a couple of nurses, um, in cannabis medicine. Wow. That's quite a big showing, you know, for the first conference. Uh, why, why are they showing up? Well, you know, actually, I was disappointed. I was expecting 800 people, and we wound up with 400. And, you know, our next conference is coming up in 2016, and I'm sure I'll hit that 800 number then. But one of the reasons that we had for the poor showing Uh, was surprising to me. You know, I thought with legal marijuana in Colorado and people showing up with emergency in emergency rooms saying, I ate this brownie and now I feel like this, what do I do? I thought doctors would desperately need this information, want to learn and be, be hungry for it. And I went to Denver Health, I went to Kaiser, I went to, I went to, uh, Centura Health, I went to all the big hospitals, and I handed out our brochures, and I put up posters, and then I got all these angry phone calls that I didn't expect, um, saying that uh, we don't want our doctors learning anything about cannabis, we're sure that if our doctors learn anything at all about marijuana, that we'll lose all our federal funding, we're sure that Medicaid and Medicare will drop us, Uh, there's big fear, many hospitals, if your doctor writes a medical marijuana recommendation, you can bet they probably don't have hospital privileges because many hospitals drop a doctor's hospital privileges if they recommend marijuana. They drop them out of clinics. Your insurance trickles. There's a huge stigma against it still in conventional medicine. Wow, and that reflects my experience with Kaiser as well. I have ulcerative colitis, and when I went in and asked about marijuana, they didn't. it's not that they didn't want to talk about it. They just didn't know anything about it or whether yeah. it worked or not. Yeah, and they're afraid to let their doctors learn anything. And the other thing with Kaiser, I was speaking at a panel um, of Jewish Family Services 
And a Kaiser representative, this was about long-term care for geriatrics, and a Kaiser person proudly stood up and said, if we find out that a patient has a medical marijuana card, we cancel all of their health insurance because we are a closed private network. We don't allow our doctors to write recommendations. So if the patient got the recommendation, they went out of network, and therefore they're a bad patient, and we ditch them. And I was horrified. Wow. Wow. So who are the doctors that are showing up? Are they all independent I don't know, do they have their own family practices? Is that who's showing up to learn more? Well, once again, we're back to most doctors who write medical marijuana. So first of all, 75% of the medical marijuana recommendations in the state of Colorado are written by just 15 doctors. And once again, the reason for that is that they're shunned out of regular medicine. Uh, So you really, you can't take Medicaid, Medicare anymore. You, You can't join insurance networks um, because all of them take federal funds and they're terrified that they'll lose funding by, you know, having a doctor who does this. So they really are very independent, brave individuals who are out there working with patients. And most of the people who show up at society at our Cannabis Clinicians Colorado meeting are just that. They're independent physicians or we do have some doctors coming in from Denver Health and from a few other big societies and from CU who really are there to learn, who are just those curious minds. And then we also have dispensaries and manufacturers of infused products who are members because they want to learn also so that they can be better, more responsible medical cannabis purveyors. What do you teach doctors about patients who want to use marijuana? Oh, there's a lot of different things. Um, We had a fantastic speaker from DU at our conference last year, Dr. Laura Borgelt, who's a a PhD in pharmacy, and she taught pharmacokinetics of cannabis, how they work in the body, what the mechanism of action is, um, and that's one of the the videos that we have available. We teach uh, dosing and titrating. Um, We do meta-analysis of some of the studies that are out there so we can talk about specific conditions. Uh, Our next one coming up in November is who's afraid of the big dab wolf? Most doctors (laughs) are afraid of dabs. I'm I'm afraid of dabs. I'm I'm afraid of dabs too, but we also have patients who are using them appropriately and with great success. Uh, one of the problems, though, is not all dabs are created equal. And Max Montrose from the Tricom Institute is going to be presenting the part about how dabs are made. I'm going to talk about what the effects are in the body. And then together, we're going to give a presentation on whether it's appropriate for your patient, when to recommend them, and what abuse looks like. When you look out a little further, like when the pharmaceutical industry gets involved in marijuana, do you think we're going to have pills directed towards certain diseases and certain doses with a certain, you know, entourage effect? I don't know. And the reason I say I don't know is, first of all, pills are not necessarily the best form of marijuana to use for, for any specific condition. Um, let's, let's take your average migraine headache patient, okay? Uh, there's a very different response to swallowed medicines than there is to inhaled medicines, and the time that you would use those are different. The fastest way to get marijuana into your body is to inhale it, no doubt. Breathe it in, your lungs are very efficient absorbers, breathe it out, and you have peak plasma levels in one to five minutes. And that's a miracle for someone who has an acute episodic problem. So if you feel that migraine coming on, if you've got that migraine aura, taking a hit off a pipe or a vaporizer might be what stops it in its tracks. But then for a preventative medicine, inhaled marijuana doesn't last very long. It's only in your body from one to three hours. So it's good for acute, but it's not that great for chronic. 
when you swallow a medicine, when you swallow a capsule or a brownie or a pot soda or anything like that, the mechanism of action is that it goes all the way through the digestive tract and is absorbed through the small intestine. And that can take a long time. Some people don't feel the effects for as long as an hour and a half. Uh, others are within that half hour to an hour range. And then there can be some very delayed effects, like up to three hours later. And you don't know which one your patient is when you give them that capsule. The nice yeah. thing about things like capsules is that measured dose. Um, it also lasts in the body for six to eight hours. So if you have trouble getting to sleep, smoking takes effect faster, but it won't keep you asleep. If you have trouble staying asleep, you might want to try that edible because it'll last for six to eight hours and help keep you asleep. The other problem though with edibles is just like 20% of people don't respond at all to opiates, they have a gene mutation that means that they just don't process them and they don't get any relief from them. Um, same thing with cannabis, but we're not sure if it's a gene mutation or simply a liver enzyme expression. But one in five people will have no result at all from edibles with cannabis. Oh, um, that's it, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I've seen people who say, yeah, edibles don't work for me. And I'm like, what is, are you talking about? They blow my mind out. Absolutely you know? <laughs> real. <laughs> wow. oh, Those so people are so not making this up. Oh, that's really interesting. Well, you've said that one of the best ways to take marijuana is a transdermal patch. And I have yet to see one of those out here in California. Maybe I'm not looking hard enough. How does it work? The well, they're going to be made in, in California soon. So the first transdermal patch on the market uh, was the Mary's Medicinals transdermal patch. And it, it really is a, a breakthrough for people who need long-acting mechanism of action. So one of the reasons that it works so well is it works like a nicotine patch. So you stick it or a fentanyl patch or something like that. So you stick it on a venous area of the body. And it's evenly dosed, which means you can cut it apart with scissors because it's dosed by surface area. And then the skin glue that's in it regulates how quickly the uptake into the bloodstream happens. Now the uptake into the bloodstream, because it's not going through the digestive system, it skips that liver first pass. And the liver enzymes are the area where you get the non-responders or conversely with edibles, there's also people who, you know, even one little bit and, and they're talking to giraffes on Jupiter. They're just, you know, over yeah. the moon, the hyper-responders. With the patch, you kind of got the best of both worlds there. You skip that liver first pass. You don't have to worry about the non-responders. It's pretty much straight to the bloodstream. The other thing is for your hyper-responders, if they feel like they've got too much, you can just take the thing off. Huh. So you don't have to worry about when you eat the whole brownie, if you're a hyper-responder and you're having a bad result and an uncomfortably high feeling, you know, if you're violently too high with the brownie, you're stuck. Yeah. Wow, that sounds like a fantastic way to do this. Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) Once again, though, about the patch, you know, each form of cannabis has its own separate use. So we like the cannabis patch as a prophylactic. We like it for people who need all-day dosing. We have children with seizures who can put on the CBD patch and go to school for the first time because it's a continuous dose. But if you have, some people need to still smoke with that if they have an acute onset problem. If you wrench your back and you can't stand up out of a chair anymore, you know, waiting for something to take effect is not what you want. Go back to an inhaled medicine then. I'll tell you what, we need to take a break. But when we come back, we'll talk more with our guest, Martha Montemayor. We will be right back once you get to know our sponsors. 
Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to ensure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at KarcherInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on mjwellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. Just Say No, spelled K-N-O-W, is back with more conversation about curing and healing with cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Just Say No. I'm Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com. Martha, you have a nonprofit foundation, and Mm -hmm. they are interested in doing study into cannabis biomarkers. Is that right? I'm sorry, biomaker. What is a biomarkers? You said right the first time. Right. (laughs) What Um, is a biomarker? (laughs) A biomarker is a a physiological marker of whether or not uh, cannabis is appropriate for a particular patient. That's what we're looking for. And my background in brain nutrition, I want to look at uh, neurotransmitters. So, In traditional medicine, one of the things that many conventional pain medicines, prescription pain medicines, are focusing on now is those neurotransmitters. We have drugs like gabapentin, which targets that GABA pathway in the brain. We have uh, drugs that affect the serotonin pathway. We've got, you know, antidepressants that work with serotonin, and we've got other drugs that work with, with dopamine. When we have good results with a cannabis patient, Sometimes we don't know which of those neurotransmitters are being affected, which are being brought back into balance. And that really is the point of the endocannabinoid systems in our bodies is to restore things to balance. So what the study is, is we have 
patients who are doing well on cannabis therapy right now for pain, and then we have other patients who have come into Healthy Choices Unlimited, which is our medical cannabis evaluation clinic, and they have not used cannabis for their pain in the past, but they want to start. And we have them pee in a cup. And then after they start cannabis therapy, we have them pee in a cup again, and we test to see if their neurotransmitter levels have balanced. And, you know, I'm really excited about this because I would love to be able to give a more targeted recommendation. The way that it typically works at our clinic is you come into Healthy Choices Unlimited because you're interested in trying marijuana for your medical problem, and you fill out the paperwork and you see the doctor, and the doctor does uh, the recommendation, and then we give you a temporary license that you can use to purchase, possess, uh, and, and begin using cannabis right away. Now, I help the doctor with the treatment plans because we incorporate the nutrition into those and we also keep case studies for our Cannabis Clinicians Colorado for the CCC. I'd love it if you could come in and pee in the cup and I could tell you exactly what type of cannabis to try. If I knew a Kush was going to help for this and if I knew that a a sativa was going to help for that, it would be really helpful to us. Why aren't more studies like this going on? Or are they? And I, I just haven't heard about it. Like there's nothing, there's not much published. No, well, there's actually a lot published. Um, The problem is making sense of it all, and I don't know of any other biomarker studies that are out there. Um, I think Dr. Ethan Russo in Montana may have done some because he's looked at endocannabinoid system deficiencies. Um, But really, it's it's the illegal on the federal level that's that holds most things up. This study was written as an observational study where we do not provide the marijuana to the patients. They go out and use whatever they're going to use. They do the trial and error part themselves. We don't tell them how much to take. Um, and, and that's important because if we were giving them a measured dose of a certain type, it would have to be from that farm in Mississippi and through NIDA, and it would take years and years. Yeah, I was, yeah, that's one of my questions. I would imagine it would have to be a measured dose though, right? Just what Not I know necessarily. of <laughs> Nope. Okay. We, well, that would be the best way to go. The problem with cannabis is this. There is no known correlation between any specific dose of cannabis and any specific blood level or any specific effect in an individual. And this is a meta-analysis done by the British Journal of Pharmacology where they looked at thousands of studies. And what they found was individual biochemistry, once again, corrupts up its happy head and says, I'm going to work differently on this person than I do on that person. So these studies, they're not federally legal in the United States. Does that mean it's hard to get these funded? Um, Well, I'm looking for private funding on this one. Originally, this was written up uh, when the state of Colorado released $9 million as a medical marijuana research grant program um, in 2014, which I thought was great and really forward-thinking on the behalf of the state of Colorado. Uh, Fifty-five people applied, myself included, and nine people were accepted. Um, Sadly, I wasn't one of them, but they did tell me to, next time we appropriate some money, please turn this in again. We think it's an exciting idea. So, you know, I know they're interested it. It just wasn't one of the ones that's picked, and that's okay. Um, but they are running into the same problems that you just mentioned with with federal interaction. Uh, most of the studies were necessarily observational studies. Most of the studies approved so that they wouldn't have to get the cannabis from NIDA so that we could use Colorado-grown medicines that are what people actually use here in Colorado instead of something grown in Mississippi in a completely different climate. Martha, do you think Colorado doctors are coming around to marijuana? 
it sounds like they're not allowed yet to prescribe this medication if they're part of a large healthcare provider. What's next? How do we get these doctors at these healthcare providers to be well, able to recommend marijuana? We're, we're working on that. And I think it's a matter of education, so that's why I personally have, have you know, been committed to, to educating doctors for the last few years and have another conference that will be continuing medical education certified coming up next year. It, it's a hard, slow road. Your average person on the street in Colorado knows more about marijuana than your average doctor. There are almost 20,000 physicians registered in the state of Colorado, but less than 200 regularly write marijuana recommendations. And the total number who have written marijuana recommendations since 2001 is only 800. That's only 5%. That means 95% of doctors in Colorado have no idea what half their patients are talking about. And 50% of the number of people in Colorado of adults who say they've tried marijuana. So it's a huge statistic. 95% of doctors don't know what half their patients are talking about. We've got to do something about that. And I think that that is changing and it is coming around, um, but it's going to take time. And I hope radio programs like this really help move it forward and get people interested in learning more. Me too. And I'll tell you what, that's probably a great place to stop. We are out of time, and I wanted to thank you for joining us for this edition of Just Say No. We'd like to thank our guests, Martha Montemayor, and our producers for finding these great guests and making this show possible. You can download episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Also, you can follow the show on Facebook, Google+, For more information about our guests and to read more about patients using marijuana to control their symptoms and to talk to me, please go to mjwellness.com. And you can find Martha at Healthy Choices Unlimited. Join us next week when we tackle more conditions that can be managed by marijuana therapy. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.